February 1, 2023. It's a lot for Pedro Show. <laughs>
Beautiful blue skies today. Yeah. You know, this guy moving from New York City, Juan Rosenfeld, he's telling me, wait, wait, you're selling me on this SoCal thing. Why is it cold? I said, it's cold. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was a little chilly, a little wind. 60, Compared to the rest of the country. About 60 today, that's cold yeah. enough for me. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> anyway, we start off the show with Fran Dance. 
This is uh, Miles Davis live at Newport Jazz Festival 1958 with John Coltrane. And then eye rolls with lips cracked dry. Because of those uh, Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got all the way from Maryland. Zoe, welcome aboard. Hello, Zoe. Thank you for having me, Mike. Absolutely. You know what I'd like, Zoe? Please bring your earliest musical recollection. My earliest musical recollection. Hmm. All right. Uh, Remember, it's a Waffle Pedro my... show. There's no hard questions. There's no wrong answers. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, I grew up in, I guess, a fairly musical household. Um, my dad was really into... Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, my dad was super into the theater. So, like, Robert Wilson was, like, his favorite thing ever. So, like, lots of Einstein on the beach. But, like, also lots of show tunes and, like, you know, uh, traditional opera and stuff like that. Einstein on the beach. Wasn't uh, Einstein on the beach Philip Glass? Yeah, yeah. But it was a Robert Wilson uh, theatrical production. That's right. That's right. That's right. I I remember just the soundtrack. They used to play it on... uh, Carl Stone had a show on KPFK in the mm. 70s called Imaginary Landscape, mm. and they would play that. It's an incredible piece. Uh, so, was your pop a listener, or did he also play? Just a listener. So the pad you grew up in in Brooklyn, there was no musical instruments? There was a piano. Did you get on that piano, or did you have to also go through the ordeal of the piano lessons? I had to go through that ordeal, but I started with violin, weirdly enough. Well, I asked that because some people were almost chased away from music because of the piano lesson <laughs> adventure or torture, whatever. And I think, well, the consensus is it's usually the teacher. It's not the piano itself. It's like some cats ain't got skills. Yeah, I had a pretty decent teacher, but I was the cat without skills. (laughs) Yeah, but that's why you're learning. (laughs) Yeah, eternally. Okay, yeah, you know what? That's an excellent philosophy. Life is a classroom. Yeah, 12th grade. Lifelong learners. Yeah. Brother Matt, that's coming from Teacher of the Year several times, (laughs) Brother Matt. Great. Uh, Zoe, what about uh, at school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Um, yeah, in like grade school, I was in the choir until they kicked me out for being tone deaf. <laughs> um, okay. The choir, uh, our, our school, I went to Brooklyn Friends School, which was not really a friend school. I don't know. It was, it was a weird situation. But like the choir director there sort of like usurped the choir and took it private for this thing called the Brooklyn Youth Chorus, which basically just like sang a bunch of functions for like Rudy Giuliani and Stuff like that. The horror. Rudy's house band. (laughs) Yeah, so in retrospect, it ended up being like a a good thing to get kicked out, I guess. (laughs) Um, Let me ask you this, Zoe. First uh, album you bought with your own money, please. uh, I guess that would probably be... um, at the same time, I bought Nirvana's uh, Live Unplugged album and an Aerosmith Greatest Hits album. Yeah, because when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot like of money. 10. That's why I asked that question. Mm-hmm. And what was the first gig you saw? Um, like non-classical? Um, no, no, music is music. 
Fuck that genre shit. This is how Watt is learning. Uh, probably like a young people's concert at Lincoln Center or something like that. Lincoln Center. Like... Yeah. Manhattan. John Coltrane had some intense gigs there. Maybe one. <laughs> like people left because well, he was letting everybody come up and play with him. Uh-huh. You, you don't do that shit. I ain't paid <laughs> some shit. I ain't paid to see some guy get a lesson. <laughs> so I'm, on, I'm on the eighth book now, Ben Ratliff. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of uh, biographies on John Coltrane. Well, let me ask you this, Zoe. Uh, the violin, how far did you go with that? Not far. Um, I Standing is my enemy. Um, I'm disabled. <laughs> so uh, after like a year and a half, I was like, oh, I do not have the posture to actually hold this thing up and play it properly. And that's when it was like, okay, piano time. I can sit down and do this. What about when you put it on your arm and it turns from violin to fiddle? Uh, if I had had a teacher who had perhaps been a little less classically inclined, maybe that would have been a thing. But no, he was really traditional. And, uh, well, what about uh, not after school, like graduating, but afternoon, the bedroom band, the Garage band, the basement band. Did you ever get into stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. In junior high, I had a little basement band kind of deal. Um, what were you playing? Whose basement? Uh, my basement. And uh, that's sort of when I made the leap from piano to drums, which is sort of where I stayed. Ah, okay. What, what, what gave you that uh, notion? Well, there weren't many drummers, and um, I had some sense of rhythm from banging at the piano. Yeah. So I was just sort of like, well, you know, why not give it a try? Well, how'd you get your first drum set? I played on a practice pad for like five years while saving up and oh, bought okay. my first drum set when I was like 13, 14. And you got to play in your basement, so your parents were pretty bitching about that. Yeah, yeah, they were surprisingly accommodating. Yeah, and usually it's the, especially when we're teenagers and shit, it's usually the drummer's pad that the prac pad is because, yeah, it's setting up and tearing down and shit. Yeah, exactly. Now, now these bands, were they jam bands or did they end up getting names? Uh, did they do gigs? Did you guys compose stuff? Um. We did not play any shows. Uh, they never really left the basement. A couple of them had names, and we wrote some songs. Uh, see, I think the one name that I remember was Novocaine. We went under that for a while, and uh, then changed it to something else, because we all agreed that was terrible. Now, how many people were in this band? There were three of us. Power trio. Now, mm-hmm. you being the drummer, and you know the tradition is, Drummers don't write songs, which is bullshit in my book. Like, Chico Hamilton couldn't even get songwriting credits. I guess the notes last too short or something. Motherfuckers. But this this hierarchy thing, you were involved with the composition of Novocaine songs, though, correct? Oh, yeah. I, um, much to everyone else's displeasure, would not be uh, uh, unincluded. Yeah, I insisted. Did it go uh, not just for the instrumental music part, but the words? 
Yeah, yeah, lyrics were definitely. Where I, I felt I'm going to say, I'm going to say, contribution. Because in the Minutemen, George Hurley wrote some of our greatest words. I think the drummer uh, has kind of a perspective yeah. on that. The other cats yeah. don't. And you know, it's rhythm music. So really, the drummer's the only one not in denial. We're not fucking Paganini's with a cape on. <laughs> shit like that. Playing fucking melodies with 10 million notes before they repeat. I mean, give me a break. We played the little rhythm parts. We're all... The biggest mistake Minutemen made was having George Hurley in the back. We sat him up front downstage. Like I do the last 20 years with my drummers. I just... In fact, if I was like... Made school fewer or some shit. Mm. That would be one of the requirements of graduating was learn drums. Mm. The other one was learn go see some other countries. Uh, yeah, <laughs> those two things. <laughs> yeah, now you can graduate. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me this up. Uh, some more eye rolls. Uh, wasted. I wish I was, Sally.
Pedro show. Start that chunk music off with eye rolls. Doing wasted. I wish I was Sally. No, I wish I was, comma, Sally. Very important. <laughs> Very important. That's how in the prisoner you know who number one is. Yeah. yeah. Right? That fucking comma. <laughs> My favorite TV show when I was in one. After that, GAS drummers. Uh Yasi Ya no siento los copas. Tim Hecker after that brand new Lotus Light. Guided by voices, Bob Pollard. Got another album out. <laughs> Almost every week. Yeah, huh? every other week. <laughs> Excited ones. Bad reputation after that. Merchandise. Yeah, I've always wanted to write a song about that. And Death Tape. Now, I know this cat's out of Milwaukee. Death Tape Super Bass. Alex. Horrible Old Men is the tune. And then I rose. Come back when you're ready to fuck around. <laughs> That's a great title. You get, yeah, I got you get some cool you. titles. Yeah, I, I, I saw a great, a great highway sign. Welcome to fuck around. Next desert, come, come find out or some shit. <laughs> Hang around and find out or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Zoe, back to your story. Uh, your journey through music. So, like, these are prac bands. That's like me and D. Boone, except, except you guys are writing your own shit. In the 70s, you just try to copy songs off records like idiots or karaoke <laughs> careers. Or I don't know what the fuck it, that was about. But uh, uh, curious, uh, when do you play your first gig? Ah, I guess that other than like, um, you know, like high school orchestra kind of stuff, um, I guess that would have been college. And in the orchestra stuff, you mean you lasted on violin enough to do those gigs? No, no, that was percussion in high school. Ah, oh, yeah, well, they, there ain't a trap kit, but you're playing like t- uh, triangle and uh, stuff like that. Timpani. Uh, there were some where it had a full kit, but yeah, mostly timpani. That was my gig. You know that, you know, a uh, trap kit, you know where that comes from, right? No, I don't know where that term comes from. Actually. Yeah, a lot of d- drummers don't know. Well, you know, it was invented in New Orleans. Contraption. They just oh. fucking put it together. It was never really... Some inventor came oh. up with it. It was just musician cats just adding shit to their little the thing. Contraption. Like, for example, the hi-hat wasn't oh. on a stand. It was by the deck, and you oh. worked it with a pedal. It was called the sock symbol. Oh. And you'll hear it in old, like, ragtime ship. Yeah, yeah. That's a pedal. Oh, they didn't yeah. play it with the stick. And so tom-toms came from China and gongs and all, you know, all these kind of weird things. And it became like a contraption. Wow. Okay. Like one of your bands, like post-Novocaine. Uh, that's when things got kind of like, I guess, absurdist is the word. That's all right. I think um, that's right. Um. Yeah, I went to art school, and, like, everybody was, you know, trying to be as pretentious as possible, myself included. <laughs> okay. So, um, I think our first, uh, the, the band I was in for most of college was called Snuggle Bunnies, which is a reference to Berkeley Breathed in Lynn County. I don't know. Anyway. Um, Some kind of, of furry thing? Was, is it like a furry thing? <laughs> Um, it's, like, supposed to be a curse word. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Pejorative, pejorative, pejorative. yeah, okay. There you go. 
And uh, so, so Snuckle Buddies, was that your first gig? Was with them cats? Yeah. Okay, tell me about the first gig because you only have your first gig once. Maybe. Yeah. So it was in this like tiny little concrete art space, um, and there were probably more of us on stage than there were in the audience. Yeah, we call those character builders. <laughs> That's a polite way of putting it. <laughs> No, like when um, IBM or some uh, corporation fires all these Dale fire dudes, they just create <laughs> new job seekers. <laughs> 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 Fucking spin control, right? Yeah, airbrush reality with some bullshit. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so you guys outnumbered the crowd, but would you still consider the gig a success? Um, in that we all showed up and started and stopped at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And what was the band like? Were you were you the drummer man? I was. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the lineup after the first show was completely different and sort of solidified. But for the first show, I think we had uh, me on drums, uh, this guy Ethan Brown on flute and vocals, and then. Um, Someone on viola da gamba, someone on cello, a saxophonist, a trombonist, a guitarist or two. I, Damn. It, yeah, it was it's a an weird ensemble. Thing. It's an ensemble. So you move from the tr- power trio to all these different voices. But you say this only lasts one gig, then it changes lineup again? Yeah, then we solidified into a quartet kind of thing with uh, bass drums, guitar, and flute. Of course. <laughs> I remember I saw Golden Earring, you know, they had this big radar love uh-huh. rocks. And the, the, they were actually a prog band. That was uh-huh. the only rock song oh, wow. yeah, to get on the radio or something. <laughs> yeah, the singer whooped out a flute and he got into this big old fucking. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. What about uh, Snuckle Buddies? Did they end up recording? Um, I think we did, yeah. Because you didn't send me. What any. happened to those? Okay. Yeah, I'd be I'd be curious how things evolve for you. Uh, and then how long does this band go as far as college goes? Yeah, that lasted through college. And did you, uh, for college work, were, is it part of your uh, musical education? Or is it a different field? Um, I technically studied liberal arts. I mostly goofed off a bunch. Um, I definitely took full advantage of access to the campus's electronic music studio. Yeah. So what, what campus? I, Sarah Lawrence College. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, well, you took advantage. You you, you made use. You made it uh, important that they had those uh, assets. Ask those oh, yeah, assets. Definitely. Had those assets. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be yeah, just shit orders, right? <laughs> no, they got to share with Zoe. Okay, and so this. I was wondering how the drums kind of worked into this because a lot of the music you gave me, it's hard to hear the drums. It sounds like a lot of electronics. So you start gravitating towards uh, these kind of instruments for your musical expression? Yeah, I have been fascinated with, um, I guess, non-musicians for a really long time. And so um, I guess the two big formative influences there are like The Residents and Brian Eno. And just that whole attitude of, like, there's this big box with knobs on it, and I don't know what any of them do, so I'm just going to 
see what I can do to make it scream in pain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, residents. Well, Brian Eno, maybe not so much pain or a very kind of relaxed pain, <laughs> ambient pain. But residents, yeah. Third Reich and Roll, a duck stab. Yeah, really good stuff. You know their story, right? They came from, I think, Shreveport or Lafayette in Louisiana and moved up to the yeah. city like 1970. Mm. Yeah, incredible cats. Homer's, I think only Homer's left because Hardy moved on. And the original yeah, two actually piece. split off later. But, they, they, you know, be surprised how many cats on the show cite them as influences because they were, they were bold pioneers. Oh yeah, absolutely. And what about the the, the more uh, traditional? Well, not traditional because they played way out music, but Carl he, uh, Heinz Stockhausen and Martin Sabotnik and uh, those kind of people. Were, were you into those? Uh, Wendy Carlos. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, the uh, dude who ran the electronic music studio at Sarah Lawrence, this guy John Yanelli. Worked really closely with Merce Cunningham a bunch. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, so there was a direct connection to a lot of Fluxus influence there and um, definitely a lot of Carlos influence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Robert Ashley as well. And probably Cajun thinking and yeah. stuff. Yeah, co- concepts and stuff. Yeah, that, that's oh, yeah, so lots great. Of I really think that's a big part of the punk scene because because I go back to the 70s version and, and stuff like Throb and Gristle totally informed by that uh, we're at the end of the first hour February 1, 2023 edition Pedro Show special guest Zoe Brother Matt we'll take for hour 2 yeah February 1, 2023 it's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show <laughs>
for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour. Eye rolls doing this parenthetically, a possible title. Brain. Then we had Daniel Pereira. This brand new stuff that uh, yeah, from a big festival up in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, new music. Group Thank from Daniel Perea. That's it. Perea, right? Two R's. Gonna roll that shit. Shelby Rassler with As the Clouds Gather. And this is all live at this festival. Jesse Laus with Hidden Variables. And Gracie Fagan with B Movie. And then Cops Paint. Cops Paint. Copes. Is that spelled right? C O P S E? Yep. Okay. So yeah, I'm too ignorant to know that word. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's what's copes mean? Um it's like a group of trees. It's a group of trees. Um, yes, yeah, a small group of trees. There like you go. A tiny forest? Yeah, or a little a uh, 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 grove. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Grove. Okay, okay. Uh, well, tell me about eye rolls. How does eye rolls get happening? Um, very gradually, I guess, is the answer. Um, well, okay, then, then let's continue at the school, because you're getting in electronics there. Yeah, um, I was playing drums in a couple of bands at the same time, but um, basically after uh, graduation, it became really hard to do anything musically in an ensemble i uh i stayed in a band in new york for like another year afterwards and then moved down to maryland and was like on my own so started doing solo stuff and that gradually took on the name i rolls and why is that where, where did you discover i rolls would be the perfect moniker um well it is Definitely reflective of me being a sarcastic motherfucker. Oh, rolling um, your eyes. I get it. <laughs> like somebody says something, you roll your fucking eyes. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, pretty much. And also <laughs> the idea of like eyes rolling back in ecstasy or like rolling on the ground. You know, just like evocative. I don't know. Bisco, right? The Mexican slang, I think a cross-eyed person they call Bisco. Uh, oh, that's yeah, that's not really an eye roll. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Usually I, eyes roll together, right? Would I? <laughs> yeah, like, like chameleon rock, right? <laughs> Autonomous eye rolls. Uh, so c- can you remember the first eye rolls gig? Um, yeah, it was not too long ago. Um, I guess that was back in uh, summer 2021. Wow, it is recent. Okay, so up to this point, you were Zoe. Yeah, I hadn't. Well, no, I was working under eye rolls for about I don't know the better part of a decade before that. Just oh, hadn't oh, really okay. figured out a way to do it live. So eye rolls was only a recording project first. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, okay. Do you remember the first time you developed something as eye rolls? Was it uh, using that stuff at the at the school? Um, the first time it was like intentionally as under the name Irols or like the first solo stuff I remember yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, was there a gradual transition or was it right away? I worked under a few other names for a long time. Um, I was doing solo stuff from, I guess, 
Oh, I guess as part of my coursework, um, I, my, my final, um, what do you call it? My thesis project was yeah. this like 40 minute music concrete piece, um, thing. I don't know. And then I just sort of never stopped really working on stuff. I just called it different things for a while. And Irols was the name that stuck. Okay. And then, what, two years ago, you decided, I'm going to start doing gigs with this stuff. Yeah, I hadn't really, um, I had been sort of working towards it right before the pandemic. Um, I know you've released stuff on Cuneiform, so I don't know if you're familiar with Rhizome. No, no, uh, Henry Kaiser turned me on. That's a great cat there that runs that label. He has some wild acts. And I've had several guests on the show. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. God, I just had a bass player from Chicago on. Uh, yeah, really interesting people. And cutiform, we should tell the listeners, is a way of writing, you know? So, in a way, it's a perfect name for a label that's pretty adventurous. And so, so what, what, what's your connection with him? He's DC area, right? Yeah, he's, um based just outside D.C. as well, um, a few miles north. And um, he is heavily involved with this art space called Rhizome, which is technically in D.C., but it's like right on the border of D.C. and Maryland. Okay. Uh, It's run out of this little funky house. And um, basically... His name is Steve, right? His name is Steve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Steve Feigenbaum, yeah. Right, Feigenbaum, yeah, yeah. Good guy, good guy. I think I pronounced that correctly. I know it's trippy, yeah. but it's interesting. And and he and he does some music himself, huh? Somebody was telling me that. Yeah, I haven't heard any of his stuff. At least not any recent stuff. I heard some stuff he did with the Muffins back in the day. That was cool. That's right, Muffins. Yeah, somebody was telling me about. I've had like ten or eleven of his acts on, and all good, all good from all over the country, and some foreign countries too. Some uh, Swiss cats. And uh, so anyway, so your that that first uh, iRolls gig was at the Rhizome space. Yeah, yeah, I had tried to get involved there before the pandemic, but that sort of fell apart um, because of the pandemic. And so then, like a year and a half later, I circled back around. Um, I actually ended up going back there uh, because of um, uh, a bassist who I think. Wait, you were talking about, was Luke Stewart the bassist you were talking about from Chicago? No, it was uh, Marky. Oh, God damn. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, my, my memory, because like I told you, I have a lot of cats all the time. I just played some of his music on the last episode, in fact. Jesus Christ. And he's actually a stand-up guy, but he plays. I played something with him on Electric. But uh, let me see here if I can get my fucking memory thing going. Playlist. But I don't. I don't remember the name Luke. Well, uh, Luke Stewart was the name of the the artist in question, who's a fantastic bassist from, I believe, Chicago. Um, Oh, I just thought it would be. Too funny of a coincidence if that were the person you'd well, be talking the, to. It's the third biggest town, so there's a lot of cats living there. I was conceived there. There's probably more than one person there who plays bass. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Shit. 
God, I wish it, my, my mind should be better about this. But uh, maybe it was three shows ago. Let me look at here. Uh, so, 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 anyway, what's the connection? You know, Nick Macri. His name is Nick, Nick Macri. M-A-C-R-I. And he's good, too. But, you know, there's room, always room for more bass players who can fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm into it. I'm into it. So the Luke uh, cat, he was uh, one of the reasons why like, you wanted to collaborate with him? Um, no, I just caught the show there. And um, it was one of the wildest things I had seen and hadn't really been aware that there was a space down here that actively booked experimental music because ah, DC okay. is pretty straight laced when it comes to things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baltimore less so. But right, DC, Baltimore. I've had some cats on, like uh, what's his name, Door. You know him? Door. Yeah. Um, he's he's got something called a, a glass, a proj. Man, he plays some wild ass music. And then there was some cat had a warehouse there when he was putting on gigs. I think he just moved recently. But, yeah, Baltimore's got a scene that's uh, – Mold Omen's from Baltimore, and they, they uh, play some wild-ass music. There, there, There is an experimental scene there. Yeah, there is. So um, uh, do you do you end up play, getting to play Rhizome when things got a little looser? Yeah, yeah. I got to play there okay. um, August 21-ish, I guess, and um, – got to play outdoors so that was pretty cool it was like lots of cicadas that day so they're loud to, huh like, sort of incorporate them into the show one time and i was I in tokyo i thought there was fucking construction going on next door <laughs> i mean it sounds like circular saws yeah. and grinders and shit <laughs> they call them semis there huh. yeah mike son semis have five songs <laughs> i think i heard all five of them <laughs> I mean, it was like a construction team. I, I could not believe it was insect sounds. Yeah. So you incorporated them into the piece. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's what a musician does. You, know? you bring the gig to the band, not the band to the gig. Look, we're going to get back to your, your journey through music, but we got Brother Matt's spin cycle. Yeah. Roll it up. Here's a little something Dirk handed off before he hit the road. Getting loose and having fun She was flashing tartine I was on my own Oh yes, I'm dancing With the devil's boomer Yes, I'm dancing Should have got away sooner That's out a mirror she checks her hair The punch is loaded I see Frigidaire I step and mama Tells me she's on the Yeah. 
dawn is breaking She's acting coy and blase Gotta have the shit down Yes, I'm a dancing I should have got away soon 
fever dreams Had broken down my mind And left me with a weight Just won't let me find a time Where a man can waste some money And lay it all right on the line Inside these fever dreams You'll find me sweating through the night You know it's cold in this old motel room The TV's broken, so am I I wish I had a drink of water Or even better still, some wine It's this damned old fever dreaming Keep me losing track of time I'm lost again out on the highway Like I've been 1,000 times Fever dreams left me hanging on the phone, dragged me through the foggy morning to a place where no one's home. If I just had a drink of water, or even better, still some wine, I could break this lonesome fever and find my way back to the light. Let's blame Dirk. Let's blame him. He gave me that CD and that started the Americana f- was thing. Was he the and, drummer man on that? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Because he was a seatbelter. Yeah, I remember he was. Yeah, we ended up with seatbelt. A seat lot belt. about clothes, he told me. And, uh, he said that was about clothes. <laughs> 
every day's Halloween. Yeah, they got a new album. Scott just recorded, I think, so maybe oh, new seatbelt coming. So, yeah, so there you have it. He's Strong Beach, right? I think he's over there now, but Pedro, dude. But Pedro, I know. Yeah. I think of Dalto. Yeah, yeah, he was old school. Yeah. Yeah, one of those party bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete Yeah, yeah. We got to get Pete back. He's doing the Monsters on Vacation. Yeah, yeah, killer. End of the second hour, February 1, 2023. This is what Pedro Show. All the time for hour three. Yeah. February 1, 2023, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pete Rose Show.
Bob from Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with eye rolls doing life without water. Head boggle after that. East Bay, Oaktown. Some live head boggle with hot dog cart. And then eye rolls with fugue. Uh, the rest of the title incomprehensible. In parentheses, people. I like that. Embedding the little infos inside the infos. So I didn't really get to uh, find out whether that, that first gig was a, uh, was exciting. But you said you just played there in the summer outside, and that was bitching. What, what was the first gig for iRolls? Um, it was uh, opening for, well, I guess it was like second of three experimental acts. One guy... Um, God, I forget the name he was working under. He conducts a lot of um, synth-building workshops, but also um, did this bass duo thing that was really, really cool. Um, and the person who opened it, um, uh, Spleen Coffin, runs this fantastic label out of Baltimore and did some tape loop stuff. So I sort of, I guess, filled the gap between them, doing something that was sort of improvisatory, but also, like, use the environment around me you know so, you mentioned know. you mentioned that cat building synthesizers did you get into doing that um i have dabbled a little bit with uh building my own electronics um i use some stuff that i have um circuit bent or made myself but i cannot say that i am skilled enough in electronics to like full-on build pedals or modules or anything like that and the stuff and, and like, say that first gig there, did you bring your drum set or did you bring only electronics? Only electronics. Okay, okay, I, so uh, live I eye... I keep my stuff pretty lightweight. Yeah, live eye rolls is pretty kind of, okay, yeah. Man, drums is such, when they get that solved where you can just, like, whip out a, like a carpet and it, <laughs> it's all set up. <laughs> roll it. Oh, just yeah. Roll it out, yeah, you know. Right, that would be so bitching. But you would you consider the gig was a success. If you said you fit in and stuff, of course people they don't want the same band three times, but you're saying like uh it was all copacetic. Yeah, I think the bill hung together well. And uh my none of my setup caught fire or melted down and stopped working. <laughs> yeah. Okay, success. What what about torn? Does I Rose Torn? Um, not yet. I don't know. It's only really been a pandemic thing. Right, so, right, right, um, right. Only two years. Know. But some, because some cats I know with electronic situations, they could carry it like a little sack, a little uh, suitcase or shit. Yeah, that's sort of what I've got. Uh, everything fits in a backpack. Yeah, a backpack. Yeah, a wax sack. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And uh, uh, look, you gave me this uh, landlocked. You know, us Pedro, we're a harbor town, so it's kind of exotic for us.
Watford Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Start the chunk of music off with eye rolls doing landlocked. Bob Stangner with Evan Lipson and Mike Begetta doing immediate part two of two. In brackets, not even parentheses. Going another level down, brother Matt. Red. Got the fucking roll. Uh, Mike Begetta, of course, the MSSV. Yeah, hey, Mike. Mike. And then finally, this is a collab. I rolls with Earth Flesh doing elemental atrocities. I guess it was an excerpt because the whole piece was like half hour, hour, some whole album, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a whole hour long piece. So how'd you get together with Earth Flesh? Um, well, I guess uh, everything I've done collaboratively sort of stems from Graham um, contributing to stuff for less than one gradually led me to other people and uh during the pandemic well let, I started, let me ask you this zoe graham yeah. how did you meet him um he randomly reached out to me on Bandcamp. i don't know how he found me or what but i guess he must i found him ran- i found him randomly too maybe that's how he operates that's okay see that's one of the good things in the internet we just don't have to spread lies and hate we can actually meet cats we can collab with <laughs> And do art, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, interesting. No, but he's a he's a doer. He's a uh, cat that gets things going. Uh, he just flowed me a big old benefit thing he did for the Ukraine. Yeah, that was Situation. a really cool project. Yeah, I was very very uh, thankful to be involved in that. And so, so Zoe, he was the connect between you and Earthflesh. Uh, indirectly, he led me to this experimental music uh, Discord server that. Um, for a while I, I helped moderate and earth flesh just showed up on there and I don't usually do this, but his work was so incredibly layered and textural that I just had to reach out to him and be like, Hey, would you like to collaborate? And yeah, he had some availability. So over the course of like, I don't know, maybe eight months, we conceptualized that thing and put it together and then went through several iterations of editing it down. And then he did this one final massive edit that compiled everything together. So even though we're both responsible for the sounds on there, uh, that is Earthflesh, uh, otherwise known as Bruno Silvestre Fabre, who he put together everything in terms of structure. That's all him. Wow. So you were like kind of the palette, and he was painting with you, and and his own stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, do you have a place on the internet that's your own site? Um, at the moment, just the Bandcamp and my Twitter. I I have a URL that I have not done anything with. Should probably probably do something about that. Yeah, because it's like having your own fancy. I mean, those corporate Truth. telephone poles are all right for stapling up flyers to tell people about gigs and shit, releases. But when you have your own fancy, nobody can get in the way of your expression. Anyway, just a thought. And especially if, you are, if you're sitting on the URL. God, it took me years to get MikeWatt.com, that motherfucker. You know, they call them squatters, right? They just yeah. randomly fucking... Yeah, these bastards. Anyway, uh... What's your next plans for both Zoe and for Irols? 
Oh, well, I've got a few things that I'll probably be releasing over the next couple of weeks um, that just been sort of sitting around in the wings waiting for an appropriate moment. Um, and then, and I think it's June, uh, there's a Queering Sound Festival going on at Rhizome that I'm going to be playing. Between now and then, uh, going to be working on a collaboration with Graham that's in the early planning stages. Yeah. I've got a few things. That's great. Uh, and give me a, a little insight to your process. I mean, do you keep a, a, a big batch of uh, sounds, like a, like a trove, a library? Or do you yeah. create, or do you compose on the spot? Or, you know, or, or maybe you do both ways. I don't know. Yeah, I try not to repeat myself if possible. So I do some stuff aleatorically. Um, I do a fair amount of uh, generating my own field recordings, just, you know, recording stuff around me, various ambiances and atmospheres and such. And, um, yeah, a fair amount of working with uh, samples that I've compiled from elsewhere or sometimes, you know, using my own rudimentary skills uh, to actually play an instrument here and there. And play what, in heavy, heavy quotes. You know what I've noticed? A lot of experimental musicians have trippy ways of scoring. Non-traditional. Almost graphical. Are you into that kind of stuff? Oh, um, absolutely. In terms of um, communicating it to other people? Yes. yes. Like like when you did the collab with the Earth Flesh. Yeah, yeah, I find visual scores can be really useful. Uh, a lot of times descriptors can be even more so, just like writing out a paragraph. Yeah, so yeah. for the Earth Flesh thing, we sort of had this uh, concept of abandoned spaces. Whoa, okay. Some little negative fortitude. Well, look, I'm really curious about the next stuff you're going to bring to the world. So when you get a bunch of music, you know, album worth or something. Will you come back on the show? We could play it and we could talk about it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Invites Thank open, you so much Zoe. For having me, Mike. Absolutely. Well, I, I like what you're doing. I want you to keep on keeping on. Brother Matt, thanks for your always essential aid and abetting people. It's been February 1, 2023. 2023. <laughs> it's hard to say. Edition of Juan Pedro Show. Keep you proud.